Um, our friend said, I graduated the same year as the 90210ers. Kissing non significant others was not a thing. <gasps> <laughs> Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 16, Turn Back the Clock. Mary, what happened this week? Claire comes back from spending New Year's with her dad, and the gang tells her all about what they were up to while she was gone for two whole days. Steve babysits those two teen half-brothers he has, apparently. Austin and Ryan TP Casa Walsh and cause all kinds of other mischief, making Steve super mad. But eventually, he realizes they all have something in common. Rush is their dad, and he's just as tough on them as he was on Steve. He decides not to tell on them for being little shits, but he does make them do yard work. It's fine, though, they offered. Damn bird's cage door breaks and she flies away up a tree to Donna's distress. David tries to lure the bird down, but she just keeps moving to higher branches. Joe eventually comes to take over the bird wrangling, but it's too late for David to be with Val when the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Day. Val is worried about other stuff, though, mostly Colin getting super-duper high as soon as Kelly leaves him alone at the pee pad New Year's Eve party. Val leaves to drive Colin home and is gone by the time David makes it to the party, so they're fighting. It's whatever, I don't really care because Bruzen are fighting too. Stupid Jonathan, well-dressed former editor of The Condor, has declared his intention to win Susan back. Susan cryptically explains to Brandon that there's things between her and Jonathan that Brandon will never understand, and Brandon's like, whatever, I don't have to understand. I don't remember why I wrote that to be honest, and completely left out the part where um, Susan and Jonathan kiss on New Year's Eve. Um, But it's fine. Brandon makes up with Susan um, after she explains that, yeah, there are things with Jonathan, but Brandon has her love. Joe manages to save damn bird from the tree and make it in time to see Donna in the Rose Parade. So before we get into it, I want to make sure that the social media post we do for this episode is literally just Brandon's face when he sees Susan and Jonathan kiss. Like, his face, he just, I can't even make the face. It's just, it's such a face, and we need it. I did not realize at first that that was not Brandon that she was kissing, and then it, like, pans over to him, and I was like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> like I think Hello, Brandon's other person. my face <laughs> yeah. I just can't believe that that happened and that was right? such a way to start off the episode like it technically doesn't start off the episode but it basically does I mean like, yeah it's like the right before the credits moment yeah yeah because like essentially we're being told it's January 2nd so we're at the Walsh house and we're seeing the Rose Parade on TV and, or the, uh, sorry, the coverage from the Rose Parade from the day before. And I was so disappointed. I was like, hold on, they're going to skip over the Rose Parade after they've had all of this buildup for, uh, for, I almost said Susan, for Donna to be uh, on the court. I was having a moment before the credits. I was like, we miss the Rose Parade. We miss New Year's Eve. They're just throwing a Christmas tree into the yard. <laughs> yeah. That's a way to dispose of a tree. 
And then, yeah, when Claire pulls up and is like, oh, my God, Steve, you have a black eye. And then Brandon starts with the flashback. I was like, okay, I see what we're doing. We're turning back the clock. Yep. So that we can hear the story. And I kind of loved it. Like, I didn't expect it. Didn't know this was going to happen. And I I typically love these devices, you know, just mm-hmm. to bring a story along because it oftentimes it just gives you something else and, and something to split up kind of the same formula every week. So mm-hmm. I was pretty excited about it, but I thought it was going to be another just Jason Priestley narrates the entire episode. And I was like, wait, hold on. How do I feel about this? <laughs> But I really loved that every time they would jump back to the future, Claire was like, I just want to know how Steve got the black eye. And another person would be like, you haven't heard my part of the story yet. Yeah, we're getting to that. (laughs) I just, that was my favorite part. Every time someone was like, patience, Claire, drink some more (laughs) coffee, sit down. I have to tell you what I did for 15 minutes. Which is crazy because, yeah, like every little bit of the story is such a short amount of time. But it was... And I don't know how they ended up making 40 minutes of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it was so short of a little snippet that you're like, hold on, Claire has been here probably since like nine o'clock. And it's taken how long to get through this whole night? (laughs) It was just funny. It's like you were saying, it's very like telenovela where they're going to like drag this out. Like, you've been gone for 48 hours, so we're going to take 48 hours to tell you this Exactly. But I kind of loved it. I was very excited once we started getting flashbacks. Oh, I loved it. And the first flashback that we get, so when Steve says he was babysitting his stepbrothers and then we see that the yard is TP'd, I pictured like 12-year-olds. I did not expect to see like fully grown adults who can drive. Yeah, they looked like they were probably, I don't know, 16 or 17 years old. Yeah, they looked like... uh, Oh my gosh. Uh what's his face from Clueless with the hair, the the skateboarder. Mhm. And I think the thing is too is like I immediately recognized one of them and I didn't recognize the other one and I started looking it up but this episode was going at such a high clip. I didn't even have a second to like look at like even the little when they cut to the credits and when they cut to the little like slate that they do now, mm-hmm. I still didn't have time to look up who they were. <laughs> oh, I looked up who they were because the one looked so familiar, I had to stop immediately because Austin is Jamie from Eurotrip, which is my favorite movie. Mm, mm-hmm. Just as soon as I realized who it was, I was like, you made out with your sister. <laughs> okay, the, now that you've said that, like a light bulb just went off in my brain. I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so funny. And then, so that's Austin. And then Ryan is Tori Spelling's real life brother. Oh, that's fun. Which like, once I looked that up, Mm -hmm. you can kind of see it. They have like a similar jawline and I feel like they probably had a similar nose, but like just, they look just different enough that I don't think I would have totally picked it up if nobody told me. Yeah, no, a hundred percent because like, obviously we know that Tori Spelling has like very distinct eyes and things like that. And and yeah, Ryan, the, the character, he didn't have those eyes. So like I never would have put together their brother and sister. That's that's fun. Yeah. Well, and truly, like once I realized Austin was Jamie, that's the only thing I cared about. Like I just yeah, couldn't care yeah. about the other one. And probably uh, the only thing you ended up seeing him as. <laughs> yes. And then 
So when I looked them up on IMDb, they are in a couple of other episodes. Like I think Austin is going to be in like six more episodes and Ryan is going to be in like 12 or that might be backwards. Yeah. Like I think they stick around for a decent amount of the rest of the season. So like I kind of spoiled that for myself, but at the same time, like that made me care more about their characters. Sure. That they just weren't like one offs. Yeah. Because they really are just like Steve 2.0. Yeah. Just younger Steve. (laughs) Yeah. But like barely younger. Yeah, exactly. Like that also was a little problematic to me because I'm like, Rush, how many children do you have with how many people? Right. And like Steve kept calling them stepbrothers. Yeah. But but they kept calling Rush dad. And like Steve just found out that Rush has been lying to him his entire life about who his dad is. So I'm like, what's going on here? And the fact that they're basically just like Steve and Rush treats them exactly the same. Yeah. I was like, Rush, are we noticing a pattern here? Like if all of your kids are constantly acting out and misbehaving, maybe you're the problem. And also like afraid of you and afraid of disappointing you, even though you call them a disappointment regardless. Oh, my God. Like, they tried to play that off as just, like, a comment. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, so we can talk about how, like, Rush has a pattern of, like, verbal abuse to his children. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my goodness. I know. It's terrible. I mean, and, yeah, of course, like, that that makes sense for for Austin and Ryan, which it's hilarious that they're Austin and Ryan because Nate's stepbrothers are Austin and Brian. (laughs) (laughs) So I kept in my notes, kept typing Brian (laughs) and having to change it. And the first time Nate heard it, he goes, Austin and Brian? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, no, Austin and Ryan. (laughs) I mean, it really does kind of roll off the tongue, Austin and Ryan. And so Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's what I was thinking. Because I was like, is there a celebrity named Austin Ryan? Or am I just thinking of Matt Ryan? Actually, there might be an Austin Ryan or a... Maybe. I don't know. That actually sounds familiar now that you say it like that. (laughs) Anyway, there's a musician that's maybe that's what it is. Was he like a a teen musician situation? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It would help if I spelled it right in the search. Probably. Did you say Austin Bryan? (laughs) No, um, I missed the R and hit T. Oh, so technically I looked up Austin (laughs) Tyen. Um, he's on his own record label, so I don't think he's like. Mm. Interesting big or anything i don't know correct me if i'm wrong (laughs) we should call him and get him on the show we should (laughs) how do you feel about two characters from 1996 having your name (laughs) that's funny i was named after them them specifically the (laughs) stepbrothers i mean they're in more episodes maybe they do something amazing or maybe like his parents saw the tping and was like that's funny i like that (laughs) or no it's the shaving cream that got him (laughs) I mean, to be fair, everyone liked it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. everyone except Steve, <laughs> including Nat. <laughs> I just love everyone being like they did a really good job. I know. They're good hooligans. <laughs> I mean, okay. They so, are. sorry, sorry to like bring this off like back in this direction, but I found another Austin Ryan, and this one is the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council in the state of Georgia. 
and just I've, I'm I found this person's LinkedIn. I'm just looking on it on Google. <laughs> But this is interesting. Experience and skills in the outdoor, IT, and human trafficking prevention industries. And I'm like, can I ask you questions about your job? <laughs> right. And that's like a wide range of experience. Yeah. Like the outdoors. The outdoors. <laughs> and focused on resource acquisition and within marketing and advertising. This he person, sounds fake. I, this he's, person does too many things. He's a jack of all trades, I tell you, that Austin Ryan. <laughs> Speaking of jack of all trades, I could bring this back. Ooh. Susan calls Brandon to say that her ex, Jonathan, is here on a layover for holiday, which immediately my mind went to the last time an ex was here on layover. I was like, yes, we, we've done this before. Yes, we've been here before. I've I remember that tree because this was shades of Emily Valentine. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because like Jonathan really is kind of just like a very interesting man. Like he so he graduated from CU, moved up to Seattle. I guess he works for Men's Journal or Men's Fitness or whatever and gets to like go and write travel reviews and he's just a very fascinating man and he's good looking he's very good looking and susan is like i would like to bail on our plan so that i can hang out with jonathan and i was just like oh no i know like and brandon was like what and she's like okay well i'll just be late and he goes late and then she's like i'll be on time like you could tell <laughs> she was immediately trying to walk it back like ooh probably shouldn't be doing this with my ex-boyfriend who I have an intense connection to and then talking to my current boyfriend who I also have a good connection with like this was a very complicated situation and I'm honestly very nervous about it like especially because of the way that Jonathan seems to like have his life together and like seems in control of the things that he does mm -hmm. I'm kind of worried that he's just gonna like change his plans or change his travel reviews to be in LA and just like yeah insert himself into Susan's life. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned to you guys earlier, but Nate was watching this episode with me today because it was on DVD. So he was kind of forced to, and <laughs> he had some commentary. We had a, like a good discussion about what happens later between Bruzen and Jonathan. So I want to like make sure to remember to talk about that because it, it, it just really is a complicated storyline, but I think each party played it very well like mm -hmm. very clear jealousy but also very much love from brandon confusion connection and worry on susan's part and then jonathan he was confident he was sure and i don't even have a third adjective for him but it was just like each one played their part in such a way that i was like whoo this is a hot mess in a very organized way. Like it was, I don't know. Well, and like, yeah, it makes me want to know more. Like, yes. at one point, Brandon asked Susan, like, what is the hold that Jonathan has over you? And she's like, I can't explain it. And I'm sitting here like with my popcorn, like explain it. Tell me yes. everything. I know. Like, because the fact that we don't, because like, you know, spoiler alert, we don't learn what it is by the end of the episode. And I'm like, 
tell me what is it please like 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 because now my mind is going to absolute worst case scenario Mm -hmm. well so my mind went to new girl of course it did but Mm -hmm. when Jess is with Dr. Sam like the third Mm. time they're together and his friend shows up and is like, oh my God, I've always been so madly in love with him. And I wrote this letter professing my feelings and he never got it. And Jess is like, okay, well, I have to give it to him. And then he ends up breaking up with Jess so that he can go propose to this girl. Like, this is what I'm thinking of. And I'm really nervous because like sometimes Brandon does pull like really good guy Brandon. Yeah. And I feel like if he thinks that Susan is going to be happier with Jonathan, he's going to, like, let her go. Yeah, he's going to, like, step aside. And I don't thing too. want that. I don't either. I mean, I was telling Nate, I was like, you don't understand. Like, I know that, like, couples on TV, like, the, the actors or whatever, like, you can't just create chemistry. Chemistry is just there. But I'm like, I'm having a really hard time not rooting for Brandon and Susan like Mm -hmm. like I'm starting to get an attachment to them that I haven't had for another couple since probably Dylan and Brenda and yeah this is the first time I've had this attachment for somebody outside the gang yeah which is wild because there's been so many people (laughs) I know but like yeah I didn't care about Stuart Stuart like (laughs) Joe's fine. This yeah. is a weird episode for Joe, and I'm starting to have weird feelings about Joe. <laughs> but, like, Susan, I will die for. Yeah. I don't know. I think we had an interesting attachment to Emily Valentine, but I think it was just because Fair. she was so chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't sure what to expect from her, so it was exciting. But honestly and truly, I think this is the first person – besides Emily Valentine, who has had the best chemistry with Brandon in more ways than just in a romantic way. Like, like intellectually, they're on the same page. They, mm-hmm. I don't know, they're just freaking cute, man. <laughs> I know. Well, and that is a good point about Emily Valentine. I feel like she's really just like that missed connection. Like she and Brandon got together at the wrong time because she mm-hmm. was not in a place to be in a relationship with Brandon. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they like crossed each other's paths every Thanksgiving or every other Thanksgiving or something. But like Susan is here in kind of right place, right time so far. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe Jonathan is going to show up and make us realize that like that's actually the misconnection. But right. I just, I love them and I'm so nervous. Me too. But we haven't even gotten to the meat of their story yet, which is wild. But Brandon gets off the phone with, with Susan. Val comes in the room and says that the event at the pee pad is sold out. It's going to be super fun, super exciting. And then she's like really happy, not only because the event sold out, but also because like she mentions that in years past, she's always been alone on New Year's. She's never had a reason to be happy on New Year's Eve. And now she is. And, Brandon kind of explains he's had similar luck or similar misfortune. And now they both have people, right? They've got David and Brandon's like, and you've got Susan. And he's just like, yeah, I've got Susan. Cause he just had that conversation where he learned Jonathan's in town. So here we go. 
Yeah. Well, and I love that like this is where they kind of flash forward and are like, oh, yeah, you think that everything's going well? Well, like here's this thing coming off on the side. But don't worry, because before we talk about like David and Val, we have to talk about how Steve and Claire just hate the bird. (laughs) And Claire's being blamed for it. And she's like, no, I could not possibly have let her out. (laughs) Literally, I was not here. Yeah. And when you guys were fixing her cage, me and Steve were banging. (laughs) I just love that, like, she's so distracted by this bird. She's like, I cannot focus on you in my bed right now. I have to go ask them to shut the bird up. (laughs) I love that Joe was like, oh, come on. She's not that loud. And Claire's just like, compared to what, a jackhammer? (laughs) Which I kind of love that this present has completely backfired on Joe. Like, I feel bad about it because, like, I think if, you know, you talk about love languages, the opposite of my love language is gift giving. Like, I hate Mm. doing it because it stresses me out because what if you don't like what I got you? Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, like, Joe getting this bird who is loud and annoying and the cage is bad and all the roommates (laughs) hate the bird. Like, this hurt me deep down. For Joe. For Joe. Yeah. I mean... But come on, bro, a bird? (laughs) It was a horrible gift. Like, Donna got you, like, a day with an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback, and you got her a bird. But you have to take Responsibilities. Yeah. And, like, birds live forever. Birds do not smell good. She has roommates that you did not ask about the bird. Yeah, it's just such a funny plot line (laughs) it's so weird and like don't get me wrong it is silly and all this stuff I'm glad at the end of it they were just like yeah bird's gone like they acknowledged Mm -hmm. how they got rid of the bird rather than just like Rocky 2 disappearing yeah and I appreciate that it was like the next episode (laughs) I know they're just like we made a mistake having bird actors is really expensive and really hard to do (laughs) I mean, also, this bird is just causing drama wherever she goes, because apparently David says, like, he shows up at the Walsh house, and he even says that the bird started drama for him and Val. Yeah, because, so, now it's David's turn to give a flashback, (laughs) which, like, this is about the part where I started thinking, like, maybe these flashback stories are kind of unreliable narrators, and, like, you know, David is telling his side of the story, but Valerie was there too. And like Val does not tell her part, like Mm-mm. her opinion of how this goes on. But Which that would be interesting to see it. Could, like, I think it could have worked had there only been like one event. Like mm-hmm. it was only the pee pad party and yep. we saw each person's perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that one episode of Dawson's Creek and also every other yes. show. Where, yeah, it's, like, the one day, but you see it, like, you first see it from Pacey's point of view. Then you go back in time and you see it from Dawson's point of view. Then you go back and you see it from Joey's point of view. Like, that could have been really interesting. But, yeah, when it's covering two full days, you just don't have time for that. Exactly. But because we get to – we have a party at Collins, apparently, too. Weird. 
Yeah, there's multiple parties and just random people are at Colin's loft. And David and Val are outside, like, I guess on a patio or something. And David is all super worried about Val getting into cocaine because she was like talking to Colin and some random people. Which it's really weird to me that David and Kelly are so insistent that Valerie would do cocaine. Like, yeah, she's smoked pot in the past, but they are not. They're like kind of polar opposites of drugs. Like pot calms you down. Coke speeds you up. And I also think what's interesting is that David and Kelly haven't spoken about this. Like if they're so in sync as stepbrother and stepsister and like very quote unquote close and like they protect each other and things like that. Why haven't they talked to each other? Because yeah, clearly David knows that. Well, I think David knows that Val and Kelly know about the cocaine, right? Like, because I don't know how Val could think Kelly doesn't know about it at this point. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So we know Val knows, we know Kelly knows, we know David picked up on it at the Christmas party and mentioned it to Val, who was then just like kind of acknowledging it. Like she wasn't arguing against it. So, right. you know, I do think it's probably fair for us to assume that like everybody knows everything at this point and we're just like not talking about Colin's little problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, is really wild to me considering how many people in Kelly's life have had drug problems. Yep. And I will say later on, we finally get like a little bit of that acknowledgement. Oh, I hated and loved it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like I hate it for Kelly, but I, I love that she was just like, I've done this before. I'm not doing it again. Exactly. Bye. Exactly. And what's wild is like right after David and Val just like, have a weird almost fight, but then laugh at each other and kiss. Yeah. David leaves to go hang out with his mom and Colin comes over to Val because obviously he knows she knows, Mm -hmm. I guess. And he tries to like push his cocaine on her at this point. And it goes, why doesn't he just dump it? And I'm like, because he wants to do it. He wants to use the cocaine. Yeah, and he would rather make Val hold it, knowing Mm -hmm. bad relationship that Val and Kelly have, in order to lie to his girlfriend. Like, Colin is not a good dude, and it bothers me. Like, I know this is a drama, and I know this is a soap opera and all this stuff, but it bothers me so much that he is just allowed to hang around and that, like, he has some weird hold over Kelly and Val that they're just Mm -hmm. like, yes, I will hold your cocaine for you. Well, and the fact that he and Kelly had this blow up literally last episode. So in mm-hmm. in reality, a week ago, and he's immediately lying about doing more cocaine. Like the fact that he's doing more cocaine is a problem. And then he's now lying about it and trying to pawn it off on Val so that he can continue to lie about it. And like Kelly even kind of doesn't believe him. Like mm-hmm. she comes out of. I don't know, the bathroom or something and sees Val and Colin talking. And for some reason, Kelly blames Val for all the coke. But I think that's in it's my projecting. mind. That's it. In my mind, it's projecting because Kelly doesn't want to admit that Colin is the one with the problem and she's angry with Val always anyway. Yeah. But she sees the two of them talking where 
Colin is giving Val his cocaine and then Kelly comes over and like frisks him and they make it a cute thing. And I'm like, no, if she's like creeping in his pockets, this is not a healthy relationship. Yeah, this is a trust issue. It is wild. Like if I ever felt the need to like go through John's stuff, I would have to be like, what am I doing? Yeah, you'd have to have like a serious like look in the mirror and and be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's really the problem here? And I need to go confront them about it. Yeah, which I do, you know, I think this episode is setting that up for Kelly. Yeah. So I do like that. Um, Elsewhere in the party, we find out that Susan and Brandon are desperately trying to find Jonathan a last minute date because he wants to go to the pee pad with them. Mm -hmm. And I kind of love that because – it does feel like Brandon is just like, fine, he can come, but he's not third wheeling with us. Yeah. Well, and clearly Brandon's threatened by him. Not, I'm not saying that he shouldn't feel this way. He mm-hmm. definitely should. But he's clearly threatened because of what he knows about their history, which doesn't seem like a whole lot, but at least knows that there's an intense history there. And so he's just like, no, I don't want to deal with this. Like, he can come because I'm a nice guy, but... I don't want to deal with him. Like, get him a distraction, basically. Oh, yeah. Brandon is trying to be, like, cool boyfriend when Mm -hmm. inside you know, like, his stomach is in knots. Yep, for sure. We jump back to the future for, like, five seconds. And the only reason I care about the future stuff is literally every single time Claire is like, well, someone just please finish this story. And they're like, (laughs) no, we don't have time for that we have to tell you everything like exactly you appreciate every moment of this which like to an extent I feel like if I did miss a big event with my friends I'd be like yes I want to hear everything that you guys did but also it's funny just because he's like he she is dying to know how Steve got his black eye and he's just like no 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 we're getting there (laughs) which it's such a letdown when it finally gets there right (laughs) they just glaze right over it they're like Mm -hmm. and that's how it happened anyway so we go back to the past and we're at the pee pad concert which apparently the band the cores is playing which is Mm -hmm. why this episode was not available on streaming so at least we know (laughs) which is good because when you first texted us to say it was a dvd episode i my first thought was like oh it's live music but because we've had so such little live music that wasn't Ray. Yeah. I was really scared for a minute. I was like, is Ray back? (laughs) Like that's immediately what my brain went to. I didn't go to like the Rolling Stones or that jazz show. Like (laughs) I went to Ray Pruitt showing up two episodes after he left. Oh my gosh. That would, yeah, I would hate that. Yeah. And you know, everyone is listening to the music they're all being cute. Like, Bruzen is adorable. They're, like, playing with the little, like, um, the, like, noisemaker kind of thing. Yeah, noisemaker things with the tassels at the end. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, playing, dust, like, kind of dusting each other's nose. Like, that was real cute. I mean, Kelly puts a hat on Colin, and that was kind of cute. Like, yeah, yeah, they're all just, like, enjoying the mood. Yeah, and then we see Steve's teenage brothers sneak into the pee pad. Which mm-hmm. I do find it hilarious that, like, they get caught pretty immediately off screen. And that's just like, oh, well, they said brothers. I thought they meant fraternity brothers. So I let them in. Mm-hmm. Which, which honestly like, is fair because Steve 
has never mentioned having any siblings and he's always, you know, at the keg house or with months and stuff like that. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. I do kind of wish Nat had been like, you have actual brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the first time that we see Jonathan, which like we said earlier, he is cute. He is cute. And I think it's hilarious that as a going away present when he graduated and like stopped being the editor, he got a subscription to the Condor. Right. Like the idea that they have like national subscriptions that they mail out the Condor. It's like, right. It's like, what is it? The Harvard Chronicle, the Crimson or the Lampoon or whatever they call oh, it. Um, Gosh, I, I mean, I don't know about the Harvard, but I know it's the Yale Daily News. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I apparently know nothing about college newspapers because the idea that he has a subscription that he's kept up with and is just like reading Brandon's articles. Yeah. I mean, it was such BDE, though, because like he just walks right up to them, pulls up a chair to their date. And like slips in that he, you know, he's had jet lag, but I've got a hotel room with my name on it or something like that. Like Brandon's trying so hard to be like, well, then maybe you should go to sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> Get out of here. And, you know, this is now it's time for Jonathan to brag about his assignment in Tahiti and who he works for. And then the audacity to then, yeah, mention that he gets the subscription to Condor and be like, you know, Brandon. I really like your columns. Like, what kind of BDE is this? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, seriously, this man has serious jet lag and is just, like, suave and on it and, like, getting to, like, oh, did I mention that I work for Men's Journal? Did I mention that I go to Tahiti on assignment? Like, when I have jet lag, I... I'm sick to my stomach and I'm like, don't talk to me. I'm going to go lay in a bed and cry. Yeah. My hair's a mess. I somehow like my, I've got like the big bags under my eyes. Like all I want is like some electrolytes and like waffle fries from Chick-fil-A and to go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Not this guy. He is ready. This man like flew first class, took a shower in the, you know, lounge at the airport and is just like. I'm ready to win her back. Right? Like, he's almost to the point here where he's, like, winning Brandon over. All because he complimented his articles. (laughs) Which is also very New Girl when she was just like, I want to hate you, but I can't. Mm Mm-hmm. And we kind of do this pan over. Like, we got to catch, you know, up with everybody. And Val looks amazing. Yeah, she does. Like, oh, my gosh. Her hair was Mm -hmm. so cute. And we find out through her that David isn't there and he's two hours late. And we find out that Steve calls him Silverado. Silverado. Which I loved. Love it. I just love all the names that they come up with for David or like the ways they talk about him. Like young David Silver when it's a skeleton and Mm -hmm. Silverado. I mean... There were so many nicknames or, or, you know, things like, like Brandon uses a hundred of them to describe mm-hmm. Jonathan, like junior, big guy, like so many. It was amazing. 
I feel like, yeah, Brandon should have come up with some nicknames and been like, oh, that's a me and Susan thing. You wouldn't get it. Oh, my God. Yes. I would have loved that. If he just started, like, spouting off their inside jokes and, like, putting his arm around her and, like, oh, that would be, yeah, that would have been great. Right? Like, I'm sure it would have made Susan very uncomfortable, but she was already very uncomfortable and I would have enjoyed the drama. For sure. And we find out that the reason that David is not at the pee pad is because the bird got out (laughs) and somehow they found her in the dark up a tree and so David has climbed said tree. And it's just like, he's not actually, but he is essentially poking the bird with a stick because it keeps moving away from him. (laughs) It keeps flying up a branch. (laughs) The stick isn't working. Go get some like peanut butter and put it on the stick. The bird will come to food. Yeah, like get some bird seed, man. Like, it's just weird. And you don't really, it wasn't really revealed how David got put in this situation. Like, because we're told that Joe is at an alumni event, so he's not going to be at the pee pad until a little bit later, but he is going to show up. But, like, we have no idea where they are. Like, we mm-hmm. assume it's somewhere, like, immediately close to the beach apartment. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely no feasible reason for David to be there other than Donna calling him because Joe's not available, right? Yeah. And the fact that David just, like, leaves his mom's goes out of his way like first of all how does donna contact david because he doesn't have a cell phone so you have to think that she called sheila right mm -hmm. and he rushed over here after hanging out with his mom to donna to help get the bird instead of going to see his girlfriend which they do say at the end of this scene like donna calls him more than a friend and he says i know Mm mm-hmm And it's a very, like, Donna and David are endgame and madly in love with each other, which I don't understand. (laughs) But whatever. I wish I could have just, like, screen recorded Mary's face. She just, like, purses her lips and is like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm, mm-mm. Fair. Like, I don't care. (laughs) It's just... (sighs) I we think- know the friend group mouth kisses each other, but you don't have to, like, also kind of flirt with each other, you know? And I think, you know, the thing that's starting to get me here is, like, I actually like the people that they're dating. Yeah. And so, like, this is turning into, and I think we might have even mentioned this before, like, a Dylan, Brenda, Kelly thing where now it's Donna, David, Joe, and Val. And, like, I feel bad for the other people yeah. that they're like oh yeah you're more than a friend right like truly he has not told val where he is no he tries to at midnight but like how can he blame her which he doesn't so i'm not like saying he is but it's like who could blame her for not answering close to midnight when she is running an event at the pee pad i do love that we later figure out she hasn't even gotten the phone call because Steve is upstairs in her office using her phone for phone sex. <laughs> True. <laughs> that was awesome. Like, Claire and Steve are so weird and gross and perfect, and I love it. Like, yeah, they like weirdly have cute chemistry too. We talked about this last episode, I think, about just like how they're kind of great for each other. Yeah. And, it's just weird. Like Claire is with her dad and Steve is at a public event and they're just like, hey, you up? 
Yeah. What are you wearing? <laughs> like, when the urge strikes, I mean, I guess you got a call. I guess so. Oh, man. But yeah, so like, we're at the pee pad. Steve sees Austin and Ryan on the dance floor, immediately like, tries to go get them kicked out or whatever. Kelly goes to help Steve and Colin goes to Valerie and basically demands his cocaine. And I love that she like pulls it out of her dress. Like <laughs> I've been hiding it in my breast the whole time. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah. That, that outfit does not go with a purse. No, it doesn't. And there's this whole thing where like, you know, on top of all of this, like I'm kind of kind of skip ahead with the t- the three of them, I guess, because we hit midnight and Kelly says that she's got to leave. And like literally the second she leaves, Colin starts doing his cocaine. Yeah. Like I just – I can't with this boy. And the idea that he knows when she leaves, she's like, I have to leave because I have to wake up early to help Donna get ready for the Rose Parade. You mm-hmm. can stay. But be aware, I have to pick you up in six hours for a very important event. And the fact that Colin yeah. completely ignores this – to stay behind, not go with her, lie to her, do drugs behind her back, and then eventually miss the event because he's hungover. Like, this is some unacceptable behavior. It is. And it makes me start to worry about him because this mm-hmm. seems like an addiction. You know, like maybe absolutely, maybe there is some history that Colin let Kelly in on when they were in New York about cocaine. And the fact that, you know, that's how it got to the point where he said he wasn't going to do it again. And they kind of like had this heart to heart about it. So that's why Kelly's kind of been like cool about it in the sense like she's not shaming him for it and she's not mad, but she is mad that he's lied and broken their agreement. And now she doesn't even know. Well, at this point, like where we are in the story, she has no idea that he's doing it again. And so the the fact that, yeah. As soon as she leaves and tells him these important details, he immediately goes to find it and do it. It's very concerning on many levels, most of which of what you just mentioned, but also because like this sounds like an addiction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kelly wants so badly to trust him. Mm -hmm. Right. And it makes me so nervous for her because we've also talked about this recently that like Kelly is weirdly like very easily influenced and vulnerable. Like yeah. she got pulled into a cult last up last season. Right. Like the fact that she wants so badly to believe Colin and, you know, trust him and leave him alone with Val, who she also mm-hmm. doesn't trust. Like it makes me nervous, not only for Colin and his addiction, but like what this is going to do to Kelly because you know, she makes this comment of like, I already had to, you know, deal with my addict mother. I'm not dealing with you. But like, I think she's gonna. Yeah. Well, and you have to wonder, are there parts of Kelly subconsciously that need to fix people? And maybe Mm -hmm. it's not even an active fixing, but more of a support system, right? Because she literally grew up having to be a support system for Jackie. It's not that she could really do anything to fix Jackie because she was a kid and a teenager Mm -hmm. at the time, but she was always there for her. She was always like picking up the pieces and, you know, absorbing 
some of the emotional abuse that was taking place, right? And then kind of a similar thing, maybe a little to a lesser extent with Dylan, but same thing, you know, Dylan has had his addiction issues and his substance abuse abuse issues, and Kelly had been there for support. She she couldn't do a whole lot. I mean, he did eventually go to rehab, but it wasn't really Kelly that necessarily did that, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe now it's just like subconsciously Kelly is just like, I don't know, maybe maybe part of her is thinking, well, it's better that I'm here than no one, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, the way that Kelly and her mom had that relationship, the way that she and Dylan had that relationship, like these are the ways that she knows love. Yeah. Right? Like it's not a perfect thing, but like this is what she knows about how to interact with people that she loves when they have problems like this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think it's going to be really upsetting for a couple of episodes. For sure. And you just don't want anything to happen because like you said, Kelly is very um, easily persuaded or influenced. Um, You just don't want, this to kind of be the straw that broke that breaks the camel's back right Mm -hmm. like you don't want her to succumb to this like you you want it to be a very clean break an ultimatum maybe like something like that you don't want it to swing the other way now that you said ultimatum i feel really nervous that colin is going to give her some sort of ultimatum of like well you're going to do this with me and let me do this or we're going to break up Mm. and kelly is not going to want to be alone Mm. And that's going to be what does it. Let's hope not. (laughs) I hope not. But now that I've said it, I feel like it's real. (laughs) You do have a habit of manifesting things like in this show, weirdly. (laughs) I know. I'm like, it's not the ones I want. It's the ones I don't want. And then I say them out loud. And all of a sudden, Kelly has a drug problem instead of. Brenda comes back. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Let's take a break from Kelly for a minute because I have to mention something in mm-hmm. this scene. So while all that stuff is happening, um, Susan has to go to the bathroom. So she gets up and walks away. To leave Brandon and Jonathan, I was expecting a very, like, pissing contest type of situation that was about to happen. And it kind of does. Right? So Susan leaves. Jonathan basically just straight up tells Brandon, the real reason I'm here is to get Susan back because he's still in love with her. And Brandon's just like, you don't say. Like, he he pretty much knows this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because Jonathan just assumes, we talked about his BDE earlier, he just assumes that Susan will immediately, like, crawl back to him because Br- he calls Brandon irrelevant, like, to the story. Like, her existing boyfriend is irrelevant. <laughs> Which, as a viewer, is hilarious to me. I literally wrote in my notes, he doesn't know whose show he's on. Exactly. This is not your show, Jonathan. <laughs> and I think it's wild that, yeah, he's just like, I'm in love with Susan. He says, I've been with enough women to know Susan's the one I want. Which, like, immediately turned me off to him. Like, I've been sitting here this time being like, 
oh, he's really cool and he's really attractive and like, yeah, he's got this BDE. And then he says that and I'm like, so you had to break up with her, be with a ton of other women to realize that you loved her? Like, that's some BS. Yeah, that's a red flag. And like, this definitely just completely turns the tables because, you know, Brandon has been trying so hard to like him. You know, he even says like, oh, I think you're all right. And then as soon as Susan comes back and she's like, all right, who wants to dance? Brandon says yes. Brandon jumps up. He is ready. He's like, that's me. <laughs> like, ready to dance. And it's so surprising. And I'm so, like, this is one of the, um, like, little bits that I have absolutely loved that they have kept, like, so consistent with throughout mm-hmm. the years. So much so to the point that we get a little scene, tiny scene in the future, or the present, whatever you want to call it. To where Claire says, I can't believe you danced. <laughs> I love it. So wonderful. Like, it is not just, you know, it's not canon that we, like, kind of back away from of, like, sometimes Brandon has an addiction, sometimes he doesn't. Or, like, you know, sometimes people do things and sometimes it whatever. Like, Brandon doesn't dance. Everyone knows that the second you join this friend group, he's like, hi, I'm Brandon Walsh. I don't dance. (laughs) Don't ask. (laughs) And yeah, we get that like short thing up into the future. We get this short moment where Joe is met up with David and Donna. Nobody likes the bird. Joe and Donna are like kind of really starting to bicker back and forth. But then we go back to the pee pad where it is midnight. Everybody kisses. And... I love the little moment between Brandon and Susan where he goes, that's my New Year's resolution not to let you go. And she goes, I thought your New Year's resolution was to start jogging. He goes, jogging? Oh, yeah. Favorite thing. Like, so good. This is, again, why they have such good chemistry. Because, like, the back and forth there. But also, like, how freaking adorable is it that Brandon's like, my New Year's resolution is to not let you go. Are you serious? I know. I love it like Like, I know Brandon has been really jealous this episode but like to be honest I also think he's crazy in love and that's the thing like I think there is you know a difference between the way that we've seen like Kelly be jealous of Val and Colin which like you know goes into a deeper thing of Kelly and Val secretly being Mm -hmm. in love with each other and being sparring partners (laughs) and whatnot versus Brandon being jealous which like is truly because like this man has shown up and truly declared his intentions like Val has not declared her intentions correct yeah but Jonathan is here and he is just like I want her yeah and yeah (laughs) I have so much to say about the Brandon Susan Jonathan stuff but it like it's not here yet we're so close But after that cute, like, Brandon and Susan are kissing, their cute little exchange, like, we get the Colin and Kelly stuff that we already talked about, but then Jonathan comes up to them, says that he has to go, mouth kisses Susan at first, then tries to, like, full-on make out with her in front of Brandon. So this is what we saw in the very beginning of the episode, right before the credits, because we still see the same look on Brandon's face that we saw earlier. And you can tell, like, clearly, like, 
we've all talked about mouth kisses on this show and how weird it is, but clearly like it's a thing in the universe because Brandon at first is like, okay, yeah, that's a mouth kiss between two friends that is normal. And then all of a sudden he's like, hold on, that's not a mouth kiss anymore. That's a mouth makeout. And he's like, hey, hey, like stop. He like tries to get them to stop and then offers to drop Jonathan, aka get in a fight. <laughs> I really like that you just called it a mouth makeout. It escalated. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Like, yeah, Susan went for the friend kiss and Jonathan went for the makeout at midnight thing. Yes. And it's crazy because, like, you can see physically Susan is, like, trying to, like, lean away. Like, her she's body doesn't tense. work. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, Jonathan, stop. Yeah. But then, you know, because we don't know about this hold that Jonathan has over her, when Brandon tries to start this fight, she gets, like, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want Jonathan leaving upset, but I don't want you fighting him, and I don't know what to do. Right. And it was at this point where I was starting to feel complicated about the whole thing mm-hmm. because it is understood at this point that Susan does not know, A, Jonathan's real intentions of being here, mm-hmm. and B, that Jonathan told Brandon his intentions. Mm-hmm. So literally all we know, all Susan knows is that is that Jonathan's just here on a layover to see mm-hmm. an old friend. Like, that's it. But Brandon's jealousy is completely founded. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that. Like, I do not fault. Jealousy is an ugly emotion, but I get it. Like, I have mm-hmm. been guilty of jealousy so many times in my life. It just is very difficult for Brandon to do anything or say anything because he just wants to be a good guy. But I'm like, Brandon, just tell her. Tell her what he told you. She may not believe you, but you got to tell her. She's got to have all the facts, right? Because it's at this point where I'm like, Susan, what are you doing? Why are you being so insensitive to Brandon? Like, he's your boyfriend. Like, if you don't, like, it's it's not Brandon's fault that you think that he won't understand whatever this history is between you and Jonathan. You have to give him the opportunity to understand or not understand it. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is the point where, like, we jump to the future and we still don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle, but we find out that Brandon hasn't called Susan. He's like, she has to call me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's this whole breakdown of communication where like Susan won't tell Brandon this hold that Jonathan has over her. Like Brandon isn't really being clear about like these feelings of jealousy that he has. I mean, you can see it, but like there Mm -hmm. is a difference between seeing your boyfriend threatened to beat up your ex-boyfriend who just non-consensually made out with you yeah and like actually having this conversation but the two of them are kind of in this standoff and there's an extra piece of the puzzle that we haven't seen yet because of the way that the story is being told yeah because steve takes over telling the story (laughs) and we find out that he is pissed at his little brothers because he kicked them out of the pee pad so they shaving creamed his car <laughs> like top tier prank <laughs> and he's so mad about this that he goes to try and run inside somebody opens a door into his face <laughs> and this is how he gets the black eye dude but like for real though i'm just thinking about the like logistics of that and that would hurt so bad it is a corner of a door hitting 
like your eye socket. <laughs> yeah. And he is so mad mm-hmm. that like he doesn't even consider the fact that he's in so much pain. No, he just rushes back into the pe- peach pit, I assume, to mm. get what looks kind of like the like the big washer um hose or whatever. Like it didn't look like a garden hose, it looked like the kitchen washer. <laughs> mm-hmm. But just like on an extension hose or something. <laughs> yeah, like he is so concerned about his car, which fair. We fair. know how he Steve feels about car. his car. Yeah. And while he's doing that, Colin is high as a kite. Holy shit. <laughs> he basically like he comes running out of the peach pet the pee pad. He is shouting Happy New Year's Eve or Happy New Year. He is hugging people. He is just like high. He is so loud. So loud. And he straight up mouth kisses a stranger, which is assault and harassment. And then mouth kisses Valerie. Who, like, this girl is stressed out because David still hasn't shown up. Colin is high and expecting her to hide his drugs for her. And now she has to drive him home because it's New Year's Eve and there are no cabs around. Right. And, like, she feels so responsible for him because, like, obviously, like, we know they have a history. So we know (laughs) that Val genuinely cares for Colin's well-being. And so, yeah, she has so much on her shoulders right now that she's like, I, like, I don't do these hard drugs. Like, yes, I smoke weed, but I do it in a house, Mm -hmm. you know, like, where I'm not going to get arrested for it. You're out here in public doing hard drugs, and I'm, I feel somewhat responsible for you. Well, and I think it's so fascinating because, like, since last season, and frankly, since Buffalo Gals at the beginning of this season, like, Val has grown up so much. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, like, in, I guess, the present, future, whatever you want to call it, like, Val is being the voice of reason, telling people to, like, telling Brandon to go call Susan. And then on New Year's Eve, she has to go drive Colin home because she's scared for his safety. Like, this is wild. And we find out, you know, she leaves. David shows up literally seconds later and basically says that the reason he is so late is because there was a sobriety checkpoint that he got stuck in, which tells the viewer immediately Val and Colin will be stuck in it going back in the opposite direction. Yep. And we literally get that scene right away. And Colin is still being very loud. Val mm-hmm. is trying to get him to be cool and also like, give me the rest of the vial so that you don't get arrested. And Colin says he did it all, which again, so much cocaine if he did. <laughs> yeah. And he is being like classic, like person on drugs who thinks nobody can tell around them. Like, yeah, I don't every now and then. So spoiler alert for the world, I guess I have smoked pot in my life. <laughs> Like, I don't anymore, really. But when I was younger, I would smoke pot, and I thought I was so smooth. I was like, nobody can smell it on me. I'm totally good. And then now I will walk past people who reek, and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, my God, I was an idiot at 19. Well, because also, like, the two most smelly substances – pot and alcohol right like Mm -hmm. it's like you you might think you're acting cool 
but that's not is that's not what's giving you up (laughs) and yeah so like this cop comes to the window they talk and then she rolls her window up and Colin is just like I put my coke right there and he didn't even see it I'm like oh my god (laughs) like I was like are you serious like I think I literally said as Nate was watching, he was like, wait, it was there the whole time? And I was like, oh, my God, it was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Val is freaking out. She is sober and, like, mm-hmm. rightfully scared of the cops because it's this giant sobriety checkpoint where they are searching cars. And Colin, in his high little brain, is just like, they're not going to catch me. Like, laughing and, uh, yeah, whoo. Whew, Val has turned into somewhat of a saint these last couple of episodes, at least when it comes to non-Kelly. <laughs> well, and it gets weird because they like jump back to the future where David makes some weird comment and she's like, you know, I had to drag Colin into his apartment and David's just like, that's what you said you did. Yeah, like which again, kind of similar to one of the other comments made earlier in the episode, but it's like, do you really trust her? Like, it it sounds like you don't trust her, you know? Like, if you're willingly, outwardly, openly accusing her of potentially sleeping with not you. In front of all of your friends. Exactly. And it's one of those, like, projecting kind of a things because he spent two hours with his ex-girlfriend who he's very clearly still in love with. Right. Which, speaking of... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Basically, long story short about this bird... Joe is insistent on finding it. Donna is upset because she has to wake up or, like, already be up. Like, she doesn't even get to go to sleep. Yeah. And Joe is like, this is our bird. How do you not (laughs) care about this? I know. And, like, he gets real mad. He thinks that if he just gets her cage, maybe she'll fly back into it. And Donna's like, oh, you mean the cage that she escaped from willingly? Like, which, fair, fair point. Yeah. No, but again, I, food. Yeah, exactly. But I paused the episode here because basically, like, you know, Joe's got the the bird cage and he's like, I'm going to go find this damn bird and I'll see you in Pasadena tomorrow. And Donna's just like, with that attitude, don't bother showing up. And he's like, fine, and leaves. So I paused here and I looked over at Nate and I was like, all right, scenario time. Let's say that you and I got in a fight. Let's not say it's about the bird. And he was like, okay, so it's not like a noodle situation. Because <laughs> obviously like that has, that carries a lot more weight than this damn bird. Yeah. And I was like, no, no noodle situation. And I was like, what if we had gotten in this silly fight and this similar dialogue happens where I'm like, don't bother coming. And you're like, fine. And you leave. Would you show up the next day regardless? And he, classic man, classic man. He's like, well, I need more context. <laughs> He's like, are we married? And I was like, okay, no, we're not married at this time. We're we're just dating. He's like, well, how long have they been dating? And I was like, I don't know, like a few months. He goes, hmm, okay, a few months. And I'm like, great. So what would you do? And he's like, I don't know. I need more context. <laughs> And I'm like, no, just tell me if you're going to be there or not. Knowing in my head, the easiest answer to this is, yeah, I would absolutely come. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is the answer I'm looking for. He's asking me all these questions like, well, you know, like, did I I have something planned the next day? And I'm like, no, you originally said you were coming to support me. (laughs) My God. I know. It was a wild rabbit hole. And then finally, he could tell I was getting annoyed with all of his questions. He was like, 
Yeah, I would come. And I was like, but would you? <laughs> oh, God. I don't even remember where we were. Oh, the damn uh, bird. <laughs> yeah, because we're at the point where, like, Kelly has to help Donna get ready. And, you know, she sends Donna off. She gets picked up to go to Pasadena. And then Kelly heads over to pick Colin up, who is just, like, a hot mess. He's still in his outfit. He's got his belt undone, but his shoes are still on. Like, he looks like garbage. Mm-hmm. And, and Kelly is so angry. Like, rightfully so. Oh, yeah. And he's being mean to her. Like, he's like, go away. Leave me alone. And she's like, I'm sorry. What now? And finally, like, he admits to doing cocaine. Yeah. Like, she's like, did you get high last night? And he's like, come on. It was New Year's Eve. Like, that's supposed to be a valid excuse. Yeah. And then she, like, tell, she's like, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but my mother was an addict and I used to have to clean her up all the time. I'm not doing this for you. And he's like, okay, fine, fine. I'll get ready. And I love that she does not stick around for him. Yeah. And he, like, kind of, like, gets up a little bit, but then immediately, like, lays back down and she's like, no, no, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. And then we get this short moment where we have to see what's happening with Brandon and Susan before we like really just focus on the Rose Parade and everything happening with everybody. Because Brandon ends up not going to the Rose Parade because he knows that he and Susan got in this fight. He tries to call her and she's not there. And he's like, okay, well, I need to distract myself because I don't know where she is. I don't know what's happening. I know Jonathan's in love with her. I'm going to go throw myself into my work. The problem is he gets to the condor and Susan and Jonathan are in her office together. With the same clothes they had on the night before. Yeah. And we don't really find out what they were talking about, what they were doing. They come out. Susan and Brandon start going back and forth with each other of like, oh, well, what do you think I'm supposed to think? Yeah. You know, Susan mentions Kelly to him. Yep. And then Jonathan comes out and gives, like, a very good apology. Yeah, he's, like, whatever, you know, like, it was, at first I was, like, uh-oh, he's going to do, like, the I'm sorry you feel this way apology. But, like, because he starts it off saying something, like, you know, whatever you think I did or said or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then he actually says, like, I apologize. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cause any problems, basically. Yeah, which definitely feels like Jonathan taking the high road to be like, look at how great I am versus right. your boyfriend who's trying to cause problems. Right. And Brandon doesn't want to hear the apology. He's just like, okay. Like, he's yeah. like, I don't, I just want you gone. Like, that's all he wants. Yeah. And unfortunately, Susan goes with him because they're going to go see their old faculty advisor. And Brandon is literally just like, okay, fine, have a nice life. And he turns on the Rose Parade. And this is at the point, again, another point where I pause the episode because Nate was like, like, because he doesn't have any of the background, right, of bruising. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, she's being really unfair to him. And I was like, you're right. And I was like, I'm having such a, like, conflict of the mind here because I love Susan. And she's never done anything up to this point to make us believe that she would do something, like, blatantly mean to Brandon or intentionally, um, like to try to break his trust or anything like that. So I was like, so mm -hmm. I'm really conflicted because I love her and she's better than this. But also Brandon is rightfully jealous. And so mm -hmm. that was when I was kind of going through that thing I was talking about earlier where I'm like, you know, Susan doesn't know what Jonathan told Brandon. So 
I think it would have been better for Brandon to have told Susan so that then Susan could cut off. Like, give both parties the opportunity to make the right choice. But there's just some miscommunication, albeit totally, like, valid. Like, I get it. Because Susan just wants, she clearly just wants to make sure that Jonathan's okay and, like, get this done and over with as quickly as possible. Brandon is jealous and he is trying to be a good person and trying to be like, I'm not trying to stir up drama. I'm just, but like my feelings are hurt, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, I get both sides completely. Yeah. It's really interesting to me because this is literally what just happened with Brandon and Kelly and Kelly is spending a night over Thanksgiving and you know, Susan already telling him like, I'm jealous. I'm nervous about this. And like, that's, I think literally basically the only difference is like, you know, both of them did this thing where they quote unquote spent the night with their exes and they're Mm -hmm. both jealous. But like Susan said it before she left and Brandon hasn't like said it in so many words, but like, Mm -hmm. it's literally the same thing that's happening. And it's, it's very interesting. It makes me wonder how this is going to keep going because I really like this is not the last we've seen of Jonathan. I feel very confident about that. Yeah, me too. And so Brandon turns on the Rose Parade, which takes us to the Rose Parade, which is essentially like the last flashback that Mm -hmm. we see. And Kelly and Steve are watching the parade. Val and David come over. Kelly is so mad at Val like as soon as Val sits down she's like it's my new year's resolution to never talk to you again (laughs) I also like she's feeling very snarky today which rightfully so her day started with having to potentially like pick up her uh drugged out hungover boyfriend um Mm -hmm. out of his bed which she didn't get to do and she tells Steve if Joe doesn't show up I'm gonna punch him (laughs) (laughs) So she's just like coming in hot, like ready to go. And then, yeah, Val sits right beside her. Like David couldn't have just been a buffer. <laughs> yeah. No, this is very like Val is Kelly's sparring partner. Yeah. And so like she has got all this stuff pent up in her and then Val shows up and she's just like, yes. Mm-hmm. She's like, yes, I finally have my punching bag back. And she's like, it really is. You mentioned earlier, like the growth of Valerie since Buffalo Gals. And it is, it is interesting. Like we really see it here because typically Val is like ready to fight back. She's ready to throw some punches. She's ready to take some punches and throw them back. But she tries to tell Kelly, like Colin was using me to keep his cocaine from you. And you can believe me or not. I don't really care. But here. And she literally, like, takes out the vial of cocaine, hands it to Kelly, and says, you deal with it. You're his his girlfriend. Yeah. She's like, it's not my problem anymore. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to move on. And, like, Kelly does kind of seem a little stunned where she's just like, what just happened? Yep. And then we find out that Joe did show up. He's screaming Donna's name. He made her a sign that says Joe loves Donna. And on the other side, it says damn bird. <laughs> Joe is not good at presence and emotions. <laughs> Poor weird. guy. He tries so hard. Like, at he least tries. he tries. And, like, everyone is saying, like, oh, that was so sweet. And it was a happy ending. And da da da. I'm just like, what? <laughs> also, we didn't see Lisa. On the float or anything, right? No, but she was credited in the episode. 
Yes. I tried so hard to see if there was like a deleted scene that we missed Mm -hmm. because I wanted to see Lisa on the float. She's the the Rose Queen. (laughs) But we don't because we go to present time. We're done with flashbacks. And this is the part we kind of already talked about where Rush calls Steve his brothers beg him not to tell Rush that they've been bad because he's so verbally and emotionally abusive to them. Mm-hmm. And, like, Steve realizes in that moment, he's like, oh, my gosh, like, Rush is still being Rush. And even though I hate what you guys did to my car and my front yard, I'm not going to expose you to, like, the things that I did, had to do. Like, he's being mm-hmm. a good older brother here. Yeah. And as soon as he lies to Rush and they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much. We'll never be able to repay you. He's like, yeah, you do. Go rake the le- the lawn. Yeah. Like, go cut the grass. Go rake the – like, there's a there's a lawnmower and a rake. Go use them. <laughs> Which, like, this is another moment where I feel like these kids are supposed to be younger than they are. Mm-hmm. Because this does feel like something you'd have, like, your 11-year-old brother do when you, like – you know stand up for them and be like oh i'm the one that broke the plate Mm -hmm. like this doesn't feel like a like you're all technically like still teenagers well i think steve's 20 but still like very close in age i just think it's hilarious that like the next scene we get is all of them just sitting outside drinking their water just watching these two boys like do chores (laughs) i know I loved it. I really did. It's just so funny. It's so like bougie. <laughs> it really well, and Donna's even like, you have a gardener. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, shh, don't tell them that. <laughs> and then Susan shows up. Mm-hmm. And I really like that, you know, Brandon takes her and they go around the side of the house. And she's like, You're not gonna invite me back. And he's like, Well, there's a lot of people there. I don't want to cause a scene. Which appropriate. This should be a private conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, she insists that Jonathan is back in Seattle. Nothing happened. She loves Brandon. That's what she told Jonathan. And, you know, they make up and then make out hard. Okay. But they're also the freaking cutest. Like, I, like, I, I think we saw immediately when Susan, when, um, Emma Caulfield came on board how she played Susan as this kind of bashful a little bit, like mm-hmm. confident but bashful at times, you know, kind of character. And she does that again to perfection here. But to see Jason Priestley also be a little bashful, but also like clearly trying to hide his grin when he hears that nothing happened and she told Jonathan that she loves Brandon, like I, I couldn't stop. Like I stopped taking notes because I couldn't stop watching them. Like, mm-hmm. how freaking – even Nate as at the end was like, yeah, they do have a lot of good chemistry. I'm like, see? They do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. No, I really did not write much yeah. for this scene. I just wrote, like, this isn't the last we've seen of Jonathan because, like, the fact that they made up and, like, got back together and were so cute together. I was like, Jonathan is the problem here. Like, yeah, they've they've been through – you know, her being jealous of Brandon and Kelly, Brandon being jealous of Susan and Jonathan, and, like, Kelly is doing her own thing with Colin. Like, she's literally just too busy to be the yeah. problem. Yeah. So Jonathan is the problem. And, oh, it makes me so nervous because they're so cute together and I love them. 
It was just like when Brandon says, someone told me a long time ago that when you strike oil, you stop drilling. You should shut. You should stop drilling. I look. I kind of look in my peripheral, and Nate just like smirks. <laughs> He's like, "Hmm, maybe I should use that line." <laughs> oh God, please don't break up, Bruzen. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I know. I mean, like. I mean, Jason Priestley leaves the show eventually. (laughs) Just let him be with Susan. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would make me so happy if, like, that's how he leaves is they graduate college and just, like, go off together. Wouldn't it be the cutest? Oh, see, that's more of what I want. Like, when Andrea leaves the show because she's finally going to Yale, not – Dylan's leaving the show because his wife was brutally murdered. Right? Oh, man. Ugh. Or even Brenda. Like, I'm sad Brenda's gone, but at least she left so that she can go to London and pursue her dreams. Right. Exactly. She gets, like, a happy ending, we assume, because she gets to do what she wants. But, yeah, I don't trust what's going on with Jonathan. Are you ready for my guest for Court of the Week? Sure am. Okay, it is when the clock strikes midnight and Brandon says, that's my New Year's resolution, not letting you go. Okay. I wrote down stupid shit, as usual. Uh, Austin and Ryan being like, that's horrid, that's heinous. (laughs) Brandon talking to Jonathan being like, all right, big guy, because I love it when Brandon calls people names. Me too. He also calls him Junior at one point. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, Joe and Donna fighting over the bird and just being like, she's our bird. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if they were the ones that coined the phrase, if I'm a bird, you're a bird? You know? Like- oh, my God. <laughs> Bless their hearts. Right. Um, and then I quoted Steve saying, the end. <laughs> and that was it. That did that. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Okay. So I will say my quote of the week was part of the, my New Year's resolution is to not let you go. But it was also the continuation of Susan saying, I thought you said your New Year's resolution was to start jogging. And Brandon just going, jogging? Because same. <laughs> I almost included the rest of it, but like that first part is just like so perfect. It is. It's it's heartwarming. It's heart melty. Like, uh, yeah. it's like calling someone your home. Ugh. <laughs> All right, Mary. What about you? Moment of the week. One hundred percent. Brandon just jumping to his feet and being like, "We're dancing." Right. I can't believe you danced. <laughs> I love it. I love the brand of Don't Dance. God, it's so good. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm I'm almost scared to ask what next week is. All right. So next week we have season six, episode 17, Fade In, Fade Out. I have no idea. Yeah, we'll have to see on this. Because like fade in, fade out, like that's like musically you can do things but there's also like drugs right i mean in my ideal world it's that they all accidentally go to 
like a barber shop and get like really nice fades. <laughs> it's just the no. first and last directions in the script. Like light comes up, light goes down. Yep. We forgot to name this episode. What do we call it? Oh, well, the first line in the script says fade in. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email with any of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns um, at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All those things really help us get seen, build a community, give you a better product. And if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So from all of us at Back to You Podcast, I'm going to go catch that damn bird. I'm going to punch Joe if he doesn't show up to the Rose Parade. I should have put some thought into this before now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya.